Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. Why have ordinary when you can have extraordinary? Get ready to choke down some Compound V. And remember, we're the Homelander. We can do whatever the fuck we want. It's the boys on Normies Like Us. world still needs superheroes. I'm going to take that son of a bitch's head and clean off his body. How does this not all start with you, Huey? Ah! Holy fuck. That was diabolical. Welcome back to Normies Like Us. You heard it up top, folks. And you heard it last week when the boys were talking the girl. But now the boys are talking the boy, the Normie boys here on Normies Like Us. With your host, this is uh, Brooks Noir. Oh, that was going to be me. I was just going to stay quiet for a long time and then say it's Mike Noir. <laughs> oh, I, I saw your I joke. Be, I didn't remember. Uh, you, I told you not to. Uh, no, let's go with um, Star Mike. I'm flickering the lights as, as we speak. Nice. There we go. Uh, this is uh, Jacob's Milk, and the boys are back in town <laughs> drinking some milk. Boys are back. The boys are back in town. Um, Homelander did something with Joe. I don't know. We haven't seen him in a while, so hopefully he'll be back soon, but... Um, or maybe Joe really... is translucent, and that's why we can't oh. see him. Or hear him in this case. Or yeah, actually, him. Joe is actually probably Black Noir right now. He's here. He's just not going to be speaking for the whole episode. That's true. So, Joe, welcome. Thank you. That you, you look nice as well. Uh, yeah, we're talking the voice, everybody. What's up? We did it last week. Mulan, and now it is Colin said the boys are talking the boys. Going from sweet, sweet, lovable Disney to hyper-violent Amazon destruction. We're talking the TV series, obviously. We're talking the comic book as well. Um, and all boys goodness. But, you know, I'll ask you guys, just your history with the boys. Did you start watching it right away? Um, um, what's your history? Do you love it? Did you read the comics, too? Anything like that? Jacob? Uh, well, for me, you know, I've said it on the pod a couple times. When season one came out, I was a big fan um, so, you know, I kind of shouted out and said, Hey, check out the boys if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, and so I was very excited for season two, uh, when it came out and, uh, been a big fan of the episodes so far in season mm-hmm. two. I haven't read the comics, but I know a little bit about them. And I think this is, uh, going to be similar to, uh, Umbrella Academy, which we did a couple weeks ago because it's a show that is actually probably better than the source material in a lot of ways. Um, there are some things that, about the comics that I think that, that are worse than the show. So um, be good to get your guys' perspective if, you, if you've read the comics at all. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Jacob, as you said, you were kind of always advocating for this. We would do our watches and in our catch-up episodes, you'd always kind of throw out the boys. And I didn't really jump on it until maybe a month or two ago when, when the season two trailer started coming out. And then we just binged it over like two days, and I loved season one, and we didn't have long to wait until the first three episodes dropped, and now uh, we've watched the fourth episode, so we're halfway through season two at this point, and I, I love it. I like the tone, I like the characters, and um, I don't know much about the comics, and I'm a little worried to research too much, because I already got a big spoiler for Umbrella Academy just by like oh, no. dipping my toe oh. into that region, so... Well, we'll say, um, so the comics by Garth Enos, um, who also you might know from Preacher, which was also made into a show. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, obviously I haven't read the comics. I just know a little about them, but you know, they say they sort of taken what's, um, you know, 
sort of, uh, you know, the more subtle points in the show are not there in the comic as much. It's much more um, like black and white and very edgy just for the sake of being edgy kind of, whereas I think the show has a little more nuance in the way it portrays the characters and stuff. But really with the plot of the comics, I know basically they just took the characters' names and like the basic setup of the plot and then it kind of diverges from there. So Mm. you probably won't get too many spoilers if you look into the comics. I'll say that. Gotcha. And Colin, how about you? Are you a boy's boy? You follow the show, the comics? Where were you at? Uh, I'm a boy's boy. Uh, This was not a comic (laughs) I read back in the day. This is one I devoured a little bit before it came out because I knew it was getting adapted. We'll talk about it in the comics section, sort of my opinion on it. I have a take about why it's not for us boys. That's a little tease. But the show, Jacob, you were a huge, like you said, just herald for it and uh, really pushed me onto it because... Amazon, I didn't know. Uh, you, you said yeah, preacher be before. Well, the, the yeah. Seth, we got to say the Seth Rogen Evan Goldberg connection. They did both those shows, and I watched right. preacher, and I was like, "Ooh, I'm kind of burned by preacher, Jacob." So I, I wasn't looking forward to the boys. Yeah, I think this is the better of the two Garthinus adaptations. But it's interesting, Seth Rogen must be a fan. Um, but to be fair, I was talking up season one a lot because, uh, you know. Jeff Bezos might have been paying me, so. Uh. <laughs> the great yeah, irony no, of doing a show that is about a mega corporation, and it's released by a mega corporation. It's probably the downside right. of it, right? That we all have to have Amazon accounts to right. watch it and destroy capitalism while we do it. <laughs> well, unfortunately, We're you know, I've been capitalism a, and destroy society <laughs> yeah, in the process. I've been a prime user for years, um, not because I you know, necessarily want to support Amazon, but, um, you know, there's just a lot, there's some good shows on Amazon. But you have to get that toothbrush in a day. You have to get it, Jacob. It's, it's convenient. Otherwise I can't brush my teeth. (laughs) I'm going to use my finger. What is this? What do you want me to have bad dental hygiene? (laughs) Never. But yeah, you know, the boys, Amazon, definitely probably one of the few shows worth going out of your way. I mean, I watched, um, hunters and, and stuff like that. Um, Al Pacino and, and you know it's all right. Even like the Expanse, I'm a big sci-fi guy. I didn't really get hooked on that, but I do like the boys a lot. Interesting. I was a tick dude. Obviously, the other quote-unquote attempted uh, yes. superhero flagship for Amazon. And other than that, I think we're the only three hunters people I know. Right, Mike? Like that's kind of our Amazon vibe. I yeah. was uh, I was not super high on hunters. Uh, I watched a couple episodes, but I have been watching The Americans on Amazon, which is not an oh. Amazon original. Uh, it was on um, FX or something. But uh, yeah, that's a great show, and it's all available on Amazon, so check that out. Um, but yeah, The Man in the High Castle, not too many good originals, I would say. I wasn't really didn't really get hooked onto that one either. Um, but you know, some of their back catalog from uh, other channels and stuff, it's, it's nice to have it. You've said right. it before, Jacob. I'm, I'm almost worried to even bring it up now that I know the cast, but aren't they doing the Utopia American adaptation with John Cusack, I now know? Oh, yes, yes. I believe that is Amazon. Originally, I think it was going to HBO, but then that got ah. delayed and stuff. But uh, yeah, so check that out. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, those are the other offerings for the mega corporation. But right now, I think we need to talk about a separate mega corporation, which is kind Vought. of the letter a turned upside down Vought. that's <laughs> oh. right let's talk the superheroes of Vought with the boys up next 
we're back. Oh, sorry, I just got done shooting up my Compound V. I just got super podcast powers. I'm podcaster, the superhero. Joined well, here with my fellow podcast powers. Joe Rogan. I can got talk into a mic with uh, with lies and and facts that are half true. No, Joe Rogan's been taking it. It's like, you ever <laughs> you ever done a podcast on Compound V? <laughs> hey, Jamie, bring that up. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk to you about Compound nice. V, guys. Look, everyone's doing it. You know, I'm talking A Train. You know, what what do you have to say about this Compound V? Shocking news. It's controversial. That In is- that universe mm-hmm. where we know they're going to red carpets, uh, right, Mike? We, we know that uh, Starlight this season, we're, we're diving in. We're talking the boys. We're, we're talking Amazon. We're talking season two. We'll probably talk all season. We'll talk all the show. Yeah. But we know in season two what she's dating Alden Ehrenreich, right? Going to these red carpets. One of these seven members has done the Joe Rogan experience. That's for sure, right? Oh, has sure. to have gone on Joe Rogan to bring it back. To the this. deep Jacob, right? He's getting on there. He's talking men's rights. He's talking about the Legion sure. of Skanks or something. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, there's some... Uh, probably. Yeah, Homelander probably wouldn't because it's a little... He, he no. has to have a very curated image. He's not going to take any chances, you know, as much as he did not like Stormfront bringing a cell phone right, I bet around. Stormfront. Uh, Storm- I can see Stormfront going very on Joe true. Rogan. That's true. That's true. So, yeah, the boys, you know, season two also will be talking season one. So far, you know, halfway through it, I, I really like what we're seeing, especially with some of the new characters. And there's a little bit of maybe B or C plot stuff with the deep that could be slow. But overall, I really enjoy what Amazon has done with bringing to life this kind of realistic. What if a corporation uh, was creating superheroes and then marketing them as celebrity, basically? Or, or it's like, right. what if the world's greatest athlete and actor and military person were all wrapped into one and being marketed that way? Tom Cruise is jumping on Oprah's couch, but Mike, he's literally making the whole room shake. He is so super strong. Like, what I if mean, the version of Tom Cruise from Mission Impossible was really him? You know, like that was real life events, you know, and it's like superpowers just running really fast, but not like the flash. Just he just loves to run. And he's good on motorcycles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Um, go ahead. Yeah, I think I think this season has been really good so far. Um, I was a little worried about, you know, where do they go from here after season one? I thought maybe, you know, what if there's like a sophomore slump with this show? But uh, no, they seem to have a plan with what to do with, um, you know, the plot and it just starts up right away, and I think it's, uh, you know, right away it's super engaging. Eric Kripke, the showrunner, uh, he pitched the show. He's the head at Amazon outside of, as I said, the the Rogan-Goldberg duo combo there, helping and writing, too. Interesting guy. He's the supernatural guy. It's a shame that Joe's not here, his favorite show ever. But Jacob, <laughs> I read a quote from him. That so succinctly shows me that this guy is such a genius and obviously deserves the title of having a television show being the longest running live action program of all time with fucking Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Right. Season two, it's so easy to get bogged down in bigger, bigger, bigger. I don't need a bigger budget. Bigger is not the key word. Deeper. I want you to get mm. to know what we already have and expand from there. And it's like, oh my God, right. you've been in this game for so long. You're clearly so good at making TV. Totally. And we can see that in the world building, which kind of is expanded upon a lot in season two. And it's just really interesting to see this world that in a lot of ways has a lot of real life, par- uh, you know, uh, parallels to what's going on now. 
um, and with the sort of celebrification of these superheroes, you see kind of the PR and the behind the scenes and mm-hmm. all that, and as well as just you know topical political stuff. So I think it's really interesting uh, stuff going on there. Mike, do girls get it done? Girls get it done. Um, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, you get a lot of stuff too, like that that idea, right, of are corporations genuine in, in their kind of onboarding of social issues or is it just because the numbers are going to go on an uptick? We're seeing with the NFL kind of, not to get too political, but getting on this kind of Black Lives Matter and, you know, stopping police brutality. But it's like, you know, a couple seasons ago, you ended Colin Kaepernick's career over it. So how genuine are these things? So the show is able to look at these things in kind of a safe space to make us kind of rethink the world that we all live in right now. And I appreciate that about it. And, you know, Vought would be one of those companies getting in on the, like, you know, woke uh, PR stuff. (laughs) Meanwhile, you know, they're they're employing actual, you know, neo-Nazis and shit. (laughs) Which was a big twist Um, for, for season two, the fact that, you know, Compound V came from... The kind of the Operation Paperclip stuff that we would see in Hunters, you know, this smuggled yes. Nazi scientist actually created the Compound V based off his experiments on, um, you know, in, in detention camp, you know, prisoners and stuff. So right. the big reveal is that it's all built on these dark secret skeletons in the closet. Totally. And, you know, that's based in real life, like you said, with Operation Paperclip and taking these Nazi scientists and bringing them in and then having them work for the U.S., which did happen. Um, and also with the new character of Stormfront, which I think has been probably the biggest addition to this season. Um, and to me, she's a really interesting character because, um, you know, they don't give it away right away. I mean, if you know the word, the name Stormfront, that's a, you know, an actual like Nazi website. Um, so she's kind of represents the growing, um, you know, far right militia movement that's been growing on the internet for years and years. Uh, but the way they kind of subtly lean into that is I think is really well done because she kind of comes in she's kind of this almost stereotypical SJW-ish character um, you know she's from Portland she's got like and a side shaved yeah. haircut <laughs> yeah which could be an SJW thing or it could be a Nazi thing so it's kind of works both ways oh you're right um, so I think it works really well and then with the reveal at the end of uh, episode 3 which is kind of a big twist unless you know and we're kind of expecting that. Like I knew right away just from the word Stormfront. I was like, oh, that sounds like a Nazi thing. And there are some some kind of subtle Easter eggs in her costuming and stuff, some symbolism there, which is really cool if you're looking for it. So, But if you don't expect it, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And it's, it's I think it's really well done. I did not expect guys. it, actually. I just liked how she was being kind of the – hopefully I wouldn't get brainwashed um, in real life. But, you know, she was like, oh, yeah, why, <laughs> what's so with cool. the PR? Yeah, she's kind of like, screw Vaught and you guys are dumb. I'm like, yeah, but then – you know, it turns out she's a terrible, evil white supremacist. Colin, did you uh, like her in the beginning, or did you, you kind of sense it, the turn? I love Stormfront. Um, Aya Cash. Jeez, uh, uh, what, what is that show? You're the Worst. That, that was an early show worst. for us, Jacob. We enjoy her very yeah, we much. Love it's that very show. cool to see her, you know, rocking it out. Her power set's Absolutely. cool. I, I would throw back to you guys. I see so many people, oh, well, this is automatically the new worst character on the show. Homelander has literally shown disdain for his son, like learning Mexican or Spanish. I mean, right. you know, has has um, shown distaste for uh, people of different handicaps as well with blind spot and stuff. I would never let somebody yeah. like that on the team. Um, 
clearly he's a supremacist as well. I mean, you, you cannot but, deny yeah. that fact. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is between them, he's he's a sociopath and he clearly thinks that he's better than everyone else, but he's mm. not. I think Stormfront is more ideologically based, um, you know, with the, the white supremacist type Truly stuff. Truly hate-filled. Yeah, but then, of course, we get... And what I like about, actually, the relationship between Stormfront and Homelander is, like, he, like, fucking hates her right now. Like, he's really mad at her. He's, like, taking the spotlight. Meanwhile, she's like, no, I think, like, you're the best. Like, you're the Aryan, like, Superman. And um, right, so, so she's, fucking like... blue. Yeah, she's, like, really <laughs> yeah. impressed by him. But I like how, you know, the the Vought, the, the Seven, um, they all have, like, their own motivations. So it's not just, like, Stormfront and Homelander are just evil just for the sake of being evil. Like, they each have their own personal reasons for doing what they're doing, and they don't always get along. And you see the, um, you know, the own, their own, you know, controversies between the different members and stuff uh, of the Seven. So I think Stormfront brings a lot of uh, interesting stuff into the show, for sure. Yeah, and with... Um Episode four, I think, being we talked off pod after the first three episodes about, oh, wow, the twist at the end of episode three. But we even get almost a bigger mm. twist in episode four where we learn that she's, you know, 70 years old and Liberty right. and had been doing this. And then I guess just went into hiding to be able to create a new identity. So uh, totally. And so with her being, yeah, with her seeming to be like in her 30s, uh she seems like she's like this universe's Wonder Woman in a way where she's like ageless. She doesn't age at all. Oh, that's great. Right. And um, yeah. And obviously we learned that she was brought in to the seven by um, Giancarlo Esposito's character, the the big boss man. Um, so we are kind of seeing maybe there's some connections with how Vought was founded and maybe it's, you know, been kind of secretly you know a neo-nazi thing this whole time we don't really know yet but um it's very interesting indeed indeed i'm loving it guys i mean there were some hints right i mean what modern sjw twitter warrior says pippi longstocking is the greatest character of all time that's a girl from 70 years ago that's true i totally didn't catch that but in hindsight (laughs) that's a good that's a good catch colin i like that but, uh, yeah, but the way she uses the internet and stuff too is just like such a great parallel to things that are yeah, unfortunately like going on in now. you know real life. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, and it kind of shows how easy, how susceptible people can be to that kind of you know propaganda and stuff by by falling for her stick and and even um, star what's her name Starfront? starlight star starlight starfront. Um, yeah, Starbright. <laughs> Starlight. She's kind of even, kind of like talking to her, like, "Oh, you know, being nice is not always good," and stuff like that. So it's kind of it's easy to fall into that kind of disinformation. Well, I mean, I think the biggest um, like parallel to what's going on in real life that Stormfront brings up is when she's discussing with Homelander, you know, and he's he's upset that she's stealing the spotlight, and she's like, "Oh no, you you are the seven. You're so cool." But when she says. You know, you don't need 50 million people who love you. You just need 5 million people who are really pissed off. You know, that vocal minority totally. or that, that angry group that's willing to fucking fight for you or fight other people on behalf of your ideals, right? We're seeing things yeah. like that. And, and she's totally 100%. right. That's also how uh, Insane Clown Posse stays profitable because they have <laughs> 100,000, you know, millions of diehard fans. They don't have the global audience, but the audience they have will, you know, lives and breathes it, you know. Right. Yeah, that's 100% right, Mike. And it's crazy because, you know, this was shot probably nine months or a year ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, but with everything that's happened just recently with, you know, the riots 
uh, or the protests, you know, and the, um, you know, the militia movement in response mm-hmm. to that with people coming out with guns and shit. And a lot of it feels very prophetic to, you know, what's going on right now. So it's just crazy that they made this, you know, a year ago when they couldn't have even imagined of, you know, how it would be right now. You're saying um, Humblander wouldn't wear a mask, Jacob. <laughs> he probably wouldn't. Well, he, I mean, he would Back probably think off. that he's... I'll laser you in this, in this traitor jail. away. <laughs> yeah, he would probably think he couldn't, he's immune to it because of his, you know, super genes or whatever, but... The Kirk Cousins um, approach. If I die, I die. Can he die? Yeah. Can he die, guys? We see him get crushed by Kimiko's brother. We get this awesome new plot introduced, right? Homelander is trying to pitch super villains. We know we have super terrorists. That is the yeah. run and gun of this season, right? Can he die? Can Homelander get taken out? Will the boys ever be successful on him? Well, this is the interesting thing, yeah, because the boys, obviously being Carl Urban's group with Mother's Milk and Frenchie and now uh, Kimiko, you know, trying to take out the soups, get revenge. We learned in season one that Homelander did not kill Butcher's wife, but, you know, they still have, have it out for him. Um, it'll be interesting to see, especially as do we become somewhat sympathetic for Homelander if Stormfront becomes a worse threat? Is the enemy of my enemy my friend at some point in this mm. season mm. or not? I mean, and he's got to have a kryptonite. If he's supposed to be Superman, maybe it's when he runs out of milk. Um, <laughs> who, who knows? But <laughs> Gross. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, um, like I was just saying, you know, with Stormfront and uh, Homelander not necessarily getting along, you know, we could see some form of, um, you know, Homelander teaming up with the boys. I don't know if it'll go that far, but just to how That's the different wild. villains I didn't have think complex that. motivations. I really like that. Um, well, if Homelander is, you know, apple pie and that kind of baby boomer American ideal, like not, he, he's a sociopath behind the scenes, but that's kind of what he represents and then, you know, Stormfront represents this kind of neo-Nazi thing. It's like, that's kind of two factions fighting over America right now. It's very weird to see in the show. Yeah. I was watching that Maeve scene again this season where she's in mm-hmm. bed with her former girlfriend. She finally lets loose and sort of lets down the mask of the terror she has felt her entire life. We see it with Annie, Starlight, a little later, too, that uh, Homelander is just such a stain on these people's lives. I had a thought. I was like, could you imagine you're Lex Luthor and you say to Lois Lane, who you think is just an objective news reporter, you whisper to her one time, Superman said he would fucking break my neck if I ever told anyone this terrible thing. Like this total, you know, sentinel of liberty, what they call Captain America in the Marvel Universe, right? Mm -hmm. Like the pinnacle of goodness and joy that people really do think and idolize Homelander as. Like the, she's just so, she just does not believe Maeve in that moment. Okay. Why are you telling me this odd story about somebody dying after Homelander sort of interacted with them? What, what could that have anything to do with? You know, but like a God is terrorizing you and you're just a normal person. What do you do guys? Well, I think the character of Maeve is very interesting because, you know, Starlight comes in and she just kind of sees Maeve as like being part of the system and going along with whatever Homelander is saying. Right. So then when she, you know, realizes that Maeve actually, you know, there's reasons why she has to do this. She is broken, of, Jacob. Yeah. And then even in this episode, episode four, the latest one, we have um, Homelander just outing her on, on TV and that being a whole thing. So, um, yeah, it's it's obvious that, you know, Homelander controls all these people and, you know, he can put on a, this nice face, but with one, you know, one sentence, he can like ruin your life, basically. So they have to live in constant fear of that. 
Yeah, and he literally considers himself a god. And, you know, there's a scene with him and Maeve when they kill that sniper and then they shoot each other with a machine gun because he was just, they were making her kill somebody for I love fun. That. It's wild, yeah. And, um, you know, you see things too where, like, he's kind of untouchable, right? And people are, are scared of him, and rightly so, where there's things like, the the me too movement and the deep right he's like a low level hero who yeah we can kick him out like save the pr but if anybody says some shit about homelander right he's almost untouchable right and people are right. still have fears so it's like there's a level of you know invulnerability that people in positions of power can have that makes people feel that fear to even speak out when shit gets crazy this is just an exaggerated example of a person with unlimited power over the people around them's lives right and this is essentially what Zack snyder was trying to do with like batman versus superman right mm-hmm. like what if the most powerful person in the world was you know bad like we got basically we got lucky with superman because he's a good guy but what if he wasn't and that's what this show is right mm-hmm. and it now- is he does jerk off to this show we did talk about it before <laughs> i had another <laughs> thought right. though again i'll kind of talk about it in the comics part but there is a anti-bleakness that came about in the world when there was the rise of the real superhero movies as we know them, which isn't really kind of what the whole boys universe is parroting. It really is more of the DC, the darkness, the blah, blah, blah. And the fact that there is just even like a little bit of a cynical nature, Jacob, to Man of Steel and some of those Zack Snyder movies, that's why those don't work and didn't connect with audiences because we are so programmed to be like, I got to turn it off. Good people are good. Bad people are bad. I got to just see good people destroy bad people. And it has to be so crystal clear now. Well, it doesn't work with Superman because we, we've already established like Clark Kent is just a good guy. Like you can't make Superman a dark character because that's not what he is. Like Batman, sure, but like you know Clark Kent's just a homegrown you know farm boy who wants to do what's right in the world. So it doesn't really work with him. But with a character like Homelander, it works really well because of you know who he is. Yeah, he had he. The story was the farm boy who played baseball and catch with his pa, you know. Um, Right. Losing his mind. Yeah, he didn't have a family, his weird Oedipus complex. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's like, what if Superman was the alter ego, but a sociopath was the actual, you know, like Superman is Uh, the mask in this case. Right. And we even, and I think this show is kind of making a, a nature, a nurture versus nature argument where they're siding with nurture because we see the parallel with Homelander's son, who's being raised by, you know, a mother that loves him mm-hmm. and he's, they're trying to, you know, make him into a good person, obviously. Whereas Homelander was raised in a lab, didn't have his parents and everything. He turned out how he did. So the question is like, would he have turned out the same way if he was raised in a loving family? Who knows, you know, nature versus nurture. Right. Becca Butcher, Jacob played by Chantel Van Santen from that season of the flash where she did like three episodes as That's Patty right. Spivet. Do you remember her Patty character? Spivett. Yeah, of course. Wild. Wild. She was an arrow too, her. right? <laughs> yes, very true. Very good. Um, and we got to talk about that. So we got to talk about the big new addition for his life is obviously the son character. 
Mm -hmm. Mike was just saying, you know, these interactions, truly you quoted it before, but when he is sitting on that bed with him and you were telling a child, we're gods, we do not have to feel things that other people do. And a kid can just take a beat and say, well, I better go to bed now. (laughs) Like, you you better get out of here, dude. (laughs) And he gets up. Uh, You could say you love me. This is nice. Right. (laughs) I mean, it's like, it is so brutal. I remember, I don't know if you guys ever hit that age. I remember maybe before seventh grade, like the summer of sixth grade, getting ready for it, telling my dad one night, being like, hey, you don't have to say goodnight to me anymore. (laughs) You know, like, like check me in and like put me to bed. Like, you just kind of hit that age, man. And Homelander has never had any relationship with this kid. And it just, it fucking sucks, man. It's great. Right. Just seeing, like, even when they're playing catch and, and the kid doesn't catch the ball, and like, just seeing he's like getting so visibly frustrated, he's like, it's all, it's all right, you'll, you'll catch the next one. But he's like, why God. does this kid suck? <laughs> right. Well, you think about it, you know, he, not only is he a sociopath, he doesn't understand human emotions, but mm-hmm. he has no kind of, um, you know, idea what it's like to be a good father because he never had one. You, you know, never had a loving family. So he's trying to be a father in a weird way to this kid without understanding like anything. It's like based on Norman Rockwell paintings that he's seen. Like (laughs) he's never experienced this stuff. He just, we we play catch. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So it's very funny. And then to see the kid kind of reject, um, you know, Homelander, it's nice. Um, you know, to, to see that. And it's some of the most at every level. Yeah. Like the, the tension created with that too, where it's like, he could just snap. Like he's just chilling. You know, and he's like, I'm not leaving. And just having him in your house, it's like, you know, an abusive, you know, relationship. It's it's scary. The big reveal, Mike, that she is on a compound. She is very far away. We know now the butcher has some sort of access to get through and reach there. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, yikes. Like you said, he's listening. He knows. He even says, I'm not going to get bored. I'm not going away. They're stuck. Yeah. And then he just sits at the table. This is nice. It's like only for you, man. Like everyone else is just. Let's terrified. have some kettle corn. Yeah, and you know now Butcher does not want to bring the kid with them. He's trying to get Becca out, and it's crazy stuff going on right now. And with that compound, only superheroes who can fly can really get in and out with ease. And yeah, Homelander being one of those, it's it's, it's crazy. Yeah, and that kind of leads into this newest episode that we watched last Friday. I thought it was a really good episode because it shows basically two parallel relationships with Huey and Starlight, Annie, and uh, Butcher and his wife, um, where they're both like forbidden relationships that can't be. And we see them both kind of reunite after a, a period of time. And then we see why they can't be together and then, you know, fall apart again. And it's very interesting to see that relationship, those relationships. Ah, but Jacob, we get one more beautiful inclusion in that one. We also get Frenchie and Kimiko, who are also having sort of of tumultuous relationship. And I had said to you guys previously when we were talking the boys that my biggest issue, yeah, I love ensembles. If you're going to do them, give everybody time. Let people develop. Like we said, Eric Kripke said deeper. He knows what he's doing. So he is... I was happy to see in episode four, we get a Mother's Milk storyline and a Frenchie storyline. I mean, come on. We got our boys developed. Yeah, we see some backstory from Mother's Milk with him, you know, connecting with Starlight and talking about his dad and stuff. 
Um, and Frenchie, I think, is a really interesting character, too. And I always like when they show them, like, on TV as being wanted and, like, they still can't <laughs> find his ID. And it's just like, this man is unknown. Like, they have the, all their other names. Mm-hmm. He's, like, so great. good at finding his, hiding his identity that they still can't identify him. And yeah. this um, man. <laughs> but, yeah, his relationship with Kimiko is really interesting. Like, she obviously is mute no, or Mom can't Pitty. speak. Um, you would and die. he's trying to... <laughs> He's trying to connect with her emotionally. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's great stuff. And it just speaks to the strength of the writing and the character development that all these characters have such different motivations, but we care about them all. Yeah, on the other side, again, nature versus nurture. I mean, she was kidnapped as a child and trained to be this this monster, you know, this pump full of compound V and turned into being a weapon. She's like almost like X-23 in this universe, you know. Yes. She was just a sweet girl with a brother, you know, and they looked out for each other. And now she became this killing machine and she's slowly regaining her humanity, you know. Right. And we see with her brother, who is a super terrorist, but we see that just like in real life, you know, terrorists aren't just terrorists because, you know, they're bored or whatever. Like there's actually the motivations for someone becoming a terrorist and hating America, hating, you know, what what it stands for. Um like again the parallels to real life are very interesting like because homelander basically came over to her village and you know doped him up with compound v and you know just like u.s imperialism has done a lot of bad shit which turns those you know native populations against america so very the dangers stuff, of entering this country. You've got Frenchie, you know, they're hiding out with like his Sengali like gang or whatever it is. And they're the ones who are importing people into this country through like dangerous means. It's, it's right. Yeah, man, it is. This is, is this how you do politics and something guys where people just say over and over, Oh, keep it out, keep it out. But this just feels like you keep saying, Jacob, so hot. So relevant so topical, in a way that yeah. is absurd for for a shooting schedule. Yeah. I mean, there's no way they could have predicted everything that's happened in the last year when they were making this. Um, but I think that this is the way to do political stuff because it's not exactly real life, but it's, um, you know, like an echo of real life where it's like a very similar in a lot of ways. But there's like one element that's different. That's people have superpowers. Um, yeah. And I think even beyond having superpowers, the show deals with power, right? The way power can corrupt, even from just the deep has power over Annie in that opening scene, and he uses it in a terrible way. Even the way that, you know, religion is being shown with the cultists, right? Kind of working (laughs) on getting the deep pulled over. You know, the power of that group is being corrupted. The power of a corporation, a military group, any of that is all being displayed here. Do you like the deep stuff, Mike? You were saying earlier uh, it felt a little disconnected. Yeah, I mean, it slows it down. I I mean, the the talking gill part could have been over a lot quicker. But I do like Ohio representation in things. But um, I mean, Sandusky, Ohio. I think you can get through it quicker, but I, I do see it as setting up to something larger where there's all these factions essentially trying to recruit whatever heroes they can to make their push for power and it's right now this crazy religious group is one of those factions right and that's obviously a uh a reference to a well-respected religious organization the most obvious uh sort of hold on drink that uh, fresco before you say that (laughs) Um, nothing aired when you spoke it just became a blank (laughs) space in the time for legal purposes (laughs) 
yeah, but it is yeah, interesting because yeah. they're getting you know the, I assume they're getting the deep because they want to have him as like this high profile uh, you know celebrity being in their movement similar to like how you know mm-hmm. Scientology uses Tom Cruise and, and other celebrities like that um, exactly it, and they're it, even in this new episode they're giving him a wife but he's like I'm not into this lady like I'm into this other lady it's just like it doesn't strange. matter like just for you know for the image cause. yeah and it's just like you know Tom Cruise them setting him up with like a prearranged marriage or whatever um and even offering up something to someone who has made mistakes in his life and trying to feed him a a source of redemption right that is like false but then it's like he can latch onto it and buy in because he is kind of lost you know and searching for answers and they're they're feeding him the answer that will give them the best outcome and be able to kind of leverage his celebrity right as jacob said i think this is a smart enough show where I think now a train being fired from the seven, they will come together. I could very easily see the two going like, okay, what do we do now to get some fucking success or revenge out of this situation? Right. And then, but yeah, even with a train and the deep, like those are both characters that have done like really shitty things. Like they're not good people. Um, but yet they're going to be kind of maybe working against Homelander. So again, these, all the villains of the show, they're not, they have their own like dysfunctions between each other. And that's what I think is really interesting about the seven. Cause it could have just been a stereotypical, like they're all working for Homelander. Like they all have like a United cause, but they're actually as dysfunctional as the good guys are. Yeah. It's, it's not, um, we're, we're not all friends here. We're all just collectively scared of Homelander. Um, except yeah. for Noir. I don't know what Noir is. I do enjoy the scenes when he's just sitting next to the tech lady and she's like, uh, or we can search now. I mean, I, I was going to email you. Lana enjoys that episode. We were just talking Lana frescas. We're, we're getting yeah. tricked Alma here, boys. Um, yeah. and, uh, we know the setup from the end there that it's, I mean, what a what a good buildup. It's going to be them against Black Noir now. He's going after Butcher. But we mm-hmm. got the perfect intro in episode one. We know that this guy's an unstoppable, invincible killing machine. Now, how are the boys going to take that down? I mean, that's a buildup for a season two, right? That's true. Right. We got hints of that when he fought um, Kimiko, right? We could see what he could do combat-wise, but then um, the burn and truth guy, I can't remember what his character name was, but yeah, the, the, the guy who explodes himself, nothing, you know, Black Noir survived that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they take yeah. him out. And I think what, what I enjoyed the most about season one was when they had Translucent trapped and just how they are trying different ways to kill these heroes because they're just normal people. That's like some of the most interesting stuff. So I hope near the tail end of this, there's more like experimentation of like, all right, well, how do we kill Homelander? Like Colin asked earlier, like that process of how do we kill God? I'm scared. You can't, man. Yeah. It's so scary, man. He'll just laser the fuck out of every one of you, man. (laughs) Yeah. I think black noir is really interesting. Um, I think he's some, some kind of mix between Batman and Deadpool. And I think uh, if they ever reveal what he looks like under the mask, I think he's going to be all burned like Deadpool is. That's well, he's hilarious. He's probably taken so much damage over his career, too. It might not, he might not have started out that way, but throughout the course of all these missions, now he's just a mess. Uh, right. Joe said he reminds him of Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe. Off, off yes. Totally oh, that's by true. That. Yeah. That's, that's it for sure, man. That's scary. The, the look yeah. is dead on, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, just yeah, seeing these these minor characters from season one getting more more development and depth in season two, it's really interesting. And each member of the seven has like their own thing going on. Maeve has her own thing going on, and I just love to see like all these characters getting more to do. Yeah, and we talked that being a strength of Umbrella Academy season two is you able to get more of these kind of just roll the dice and pick two characters and throw them together for a few scenes. And you kind of get more of those moments. And in season two of this, we are getting more moments with some of the more minor characters as well. Yeah. But in episode four, we get a heavy hitter moment, guys. We get more Annie and Huey, which is like all I am Mm -hmm. here for people, people with no shirts on wearing jeans on bed. I'm like, God damn, this is fucking hot. Um, vending machines, yeah. Vending machines yeah. again. A lot of them enjoy talk serial killers. A lot of I uh, love Annie. I, Aaron Moriarty kills it. I've said on this podcast a thousand mm-hmm. times. Jack Quaid. I just think he is fucking dynamite too. Um, just yes. let him run. Let those scenes run, man. More of them together. Yeah, they're great together. They have great chemistry. And I was also going to say, um, Eric Kripke. I think he must be a really big Billy Joel fan. Because it seems like every episode has a different <laughs> Billy Joel song, and obviously he uses of the that. Season. Yeah, that one music video as like his like safe place or whatever. But there's also a ton of other Billy Joel songs been used. So I think um, that's a great like, you know, if you know, you know. But like that's a great um, theme. Little detail. Throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah. We and now didn't we start see. the fire. I used to think that song was "We Didn't Saw Hayek. <laughs> that's the weird al version mike yeah I, I just wrote it for him but uh yeah we're seeing huey you know he can't be with starlight or annie right they're kind of like this is not working but we're also seeing a wedge between him and butcher now even when he tries to take over the boys in butcher's absence they get the cia director's head exploded and right yeah and that was a really is crazy butcher the well. hero we think he is boys we we know now we got the hint this season with Kimiko that he's a you know human supremacist you would say he kind of mm-hmm. was willing to sacrifice her as the lamb to the slaughter and yeah, now he's we Magneto. know with the he's child the opposite Ryan. Of yeah you're right mm. yeah which he's you know I like Butcher suits. and Carl Urban's portrayal um, Jacob what do you think about all this though well I think he's a he's an anti-hero and I mean we've seen that he's not exactly a good person but he'll do whatever it takes for what you know he's fighting for including you know throw his own his own boys under the bus if it, if it gets you know it's an, the ends justify the means My type boys. of thing yeah and you know people use the word anti-hero a lot but it's usually just cool brooding edgy guy like this is actually like an anti-hero who does immoral things for yes. in his mind moral reasons and then it's right. up to the audience to decide is that justified or not in the same way you know, Homelander is doing immoral things. Totally. You know, maybe, maybe we'll see that on the side of good against Stormfront. Who knows? But we can also see, you know, how he came to be like this because he probably wasn't always like that. But, you know, after what happened with his wife, you know, mm-hmm. he just has such a blinding rage for Homelander. And because of that, all superheroes that he really can't see past that. We haven't really talked about the release schedule. Obviously, there's been a little bit of a kerfuffle now where people are even review bombing it so much. Eric Kripke has come out and said, if you like the show, please stop rating it low on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes and stuff just because it comes out weekly. Well, That's yeah, not with fucking the, fair. I think with the weekly release schedule, I don't know if people realize this, but uh, it used to be that all television shows came out weekly. Um, yeah, review bombers are probably also Walking Dead viewers. So uh, yeah. We made it through that. Like people are just like, I guess, too spoiled now, where they expect everything to be dropped in in the season binge format. But 
Um, and I actually, I actually probably would prefer if they just dropped the whole season at once, but I'm not going to like, you know, give it a bad review because it's coming out weekly. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, yeah, if I get my hands on some compound V, I'm going to do the whole vial. I'm not going to spread it out over a month, but you know, I'm not going to give the show a bad review for that either. And it has to to survive because otherwise who wouldn't just get the week free trial, watch the show and cancel it. I mean, that's what you did with CBS all access to watch Picard. Most people did anyway. So they got to do something to kind of balance that out. And we're already halfway through. Just a couple more weeks, you'll be all right. Right. And so, okay, here's my question. If Compound V existed and you used it, what superpower do you think you would have? Because I guess it's just mm. random. Like what, what, what superpower develops within you is just based on your genetics. Yeah, apparently right? it is random, right? That's kind of what we're seeing. I know yeah, what ex- I would hope I would get, but I don't know what I would actually get. <laughs> I think it is random except with Homelander where I think they kind of did some science stuff to try to make him the most powerful one. And that's well, why he's like raised in the you know, and stuff. just if to give you a comic book spoiler, the thing about the seven in particular is that as children and sort of like that baby we get shown in episode one, they are IV'd and filled with that stuff so, 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 so much for their entire lives that that's why their powers develop so much more and so much stronger. That's not the case for us. Like if we shot up... Hmm, I don't know, something lame. <laughs> like I said when I was the tentacle guy for Umbrella Academy, it'd be something that makes me sick. Yeah, <laughs> you'd best probably... I could hope to be Gecko. Yeah, I was going to say oh, Colin would probably be Gecko. Guess. And you'd probably yeah. be like, you could chop my dick off for 500 bucks. Chop that dick off, get some money. <laughs> at what point do you decide you're going to... Like, I'm sure, like, okay, I can cut off my arm and my leg, but at what point are you confident enough to go for the dick... Cut right, and be like, right. It's going to grow never. back. It's got to. I would never get to that point. Well, and that's another little detail that I love about this world is we see these minor superheroes that like aren't powerful enough to like fight Pop crime. Claw was just on like a CW show. Yeah, Teenage like, Claw, Capes for Christ, Mesmer. Right, yeah. Mesmer. Haley Joel Osment from season one was a great one. Mesmer. It's like, you know, yes. he has the ability to read minds. What are we going to do with him? I guess let's put him in this procedural police TV show where he's like a detective. Um, but yep. you just see these minor powers, like they're not strong enough to fight crime, so they have to do something for money. And we see with Gecko this season, he's basically a lab rat for Vought. And then, uh, you know, as his side hustle is doing weird uh, fetish, cut off my arm stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, totally normal. Yeah, but what else? Charge more. What else would you do if you if that was your power? How <laughs> else would you be able to make money? You know. I think I I would have the power to talk about pop culture for extended periods of time longer (laughs) than any normal human should. Compound M. That would be the most lucrative uh, power of all of being a podcasting king, right? (laughs) That's right. Well, I am definitely enjoying uh, season two so far. Season one was awesome. Any standout moment from this season for you guys before we talk the comments? Yeah, favorite thing, favorite thought. Good question. Um, You know, I told you guys before. Thoughts for Vots. Ooh, thoughts for Vots, my tots. I do love that. Um, the costumes on this show are so absurdly good. I saw a yes. lot of criticism and people writing it up in season one. The actress who plays Maeve said this as well. I don't know if you guys remember her second introduction scene when they're back at Vot Tower or whatever the fuck it's called, where she's just like doing karate on guys in a room. It's mm-hmm. like a billion cuts. Editors have pointed out, like, clearly she could not move to do the stage combat at all. She said as well, she could not. But the look, 
the fucking texture, just the just every little detail that goes into it is so not even just perfectly adapted from the comic book. I would just say wildly individual and interesting and kind of parodied from a real Marvel look. You know, I laugh so much every time I see A-Train's little clear plastic breastplate thing that he wears over top of him and the glasses. I think about Falcon. I think about what Falcon looks like in the Marvel Universe. It's not fucking far off. Like, it's it's fucking good, guys. Yeah. It's like a palette swap. Yeah. No, the costumes are really good. And, like, um, Stormfront, like I mentioned, her costume has some little details that are, are revealing in a way. Um, and his Homelander, his cape just being the American flag. I mean, it's just such a yes. great um, little thing. Remember when you said you wanted to make the cape red? And I said, no, make it the flag. Like, <laughs> that was my idea. Like, okay. The boys' okay. costumes. Jacob, you point out the Billy Joel stuff. I mean, we know that uh, mm. Huey's going to wear classic rock T-shirts. We know Butcher's going to wear Hawaiian prints. We know Mother's Milk right. wears hardcore New York or hip-hop stuff. He's a Giants right. fan, Wu-Tang. Joe. He likes mm-hmm. Wu-Tang. Like, this motherfucker's got That's style right. and a look where you identify all these characters. Annie, the montage in, in episode one, the strip down where you see the work that Aaron Moriarty has to do to transform into Starlight from, from Annie January to Starlight is mm-hmm. something I'm sure a billion actresses do on the planet. You don't think Kristen Stewart goes home after the Oscars and takes out her butt flap things? I mean, right. it's there, guys. Totally. And just seeing the whole behind the scenes of the the PR, like when it's just like when actors are doing press junkets for their movies, like getting the same question from 20 different news outlets. Do girls get it done, Jake? You know, act like it's the the first time you've heard it every time. Yeah. It's the the great details. It's that's what I love about this show. It's just all the little details that, that just make the world feel real. Um, And another thing with mother's milk, I wanted to add a new development with him. This, this last episode was uh, the OCD, where yeah. you know Annie's like, how you know, Mother's Milk has OCD, and, and like Huey didn't even realize it, but yeah, it makes total sense with his character, like the need to like feel like you're in control of your life and stuff. So I just love all these little details. Which is why he's building that dollhouse. You got to keep Mother's Milk away from Homelander too at all costs because he will <laughs> yes. drink that man up. That's very true. <laughs> Thirsty, and I will never forgive Homelander for killing Elizabeth Shue. I'm a Karate Kid fan, and come on, man. Which That's that right. is another crazy thing. I guess this is just a moment that popped in my head before we get out of here. But using Doppelganger oh, as yeah. a stand-in because he can't handle loss, and Oof. then just being like, "You are nothing. I don't need anybody." It's like I was like, even so... when you're doing him a favor, you got to be just terrified the whole time. Oh yeah, Ugh. I was when that when she first came back, and I was like, "How? What's going on here?" I thought maybe it was like a hologram or something. I didn't know what was going on. And then the reveal that it's Doppelganger is so well done. And it's just another minor superhero character that's trying to just get by, you know? And then yeah. at one point, he transforms into himself, offers to suck his own dick. I saw an interview right. with Anthony Starr afterwards where he was like, <laughs> he's a Kiwi. I don't know if you guys know this. He's from New Zealand and he's done New a Zealand, lot of right. American TV. This is kind of his big breakthrough. But he was like, oh, I don't know if you know this or not, but like, that's not my first time playing a twin. I've actually done it before on a, a famous New Zealand TV show a long time ago. So it was no real big deal for me. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't suck your own dick on that show <laughs> in, in a negligee. Sure. I oh, mean, man. I love the idea that that's Homelander's ultimate dream, though. It's like, because he's so self-obsessed. It's like, oh, course. maybe uh, he just wants to suck his own dick. And Probably like, a lot of people would, would be into that, you know? I can't say I would turn it down if there was if I had a doppelganger, you know? 
doppelbanger, more like. But imagine, oh, nice. That's a good pun. But yeah, it's like, here's a guy who's probably, Homelander probably just swooped over to his house and was like, hey, man, you are going to be this <laughs> dead lady. And if you don't, I'll kill you. And it's right. like, oh, my God. Totally. Um, yeah. yeah, I just love all the details in this world. One other thing I wanted to mention was um, Giancarlo Esposito as the mm. big Moff boss Gideon, of, yes. of Vought. How do you guys feel about him? I think he's good, but he's kind of been typecast in this role now. I kind of have a problem with that where like Gus Fring, Moff Gideon, and now this character, they're all the same character. They're the stern boss man. Um, I just feel like he's getting typecast. Not that he's doing a bad job at all. It's just very like... Seen it before, maybe. Yeah. I get so turned off. I see Reddit comments immediately afterwards that are like, does anyone else see the next Bond villain? I mean, this guy can do anything. This guy should this be guy a Batman villain. Thing. This guy should do anything. And it's like, he's not doing anything in that case where you're saying all those things. It's the same yeah, he's thing doing the same over thing. and, and not over that he's, and over. I think he's a good actor. He could probably do different things, but he's just been typecast in this role. So nothing against him. he has a mustache him. in The Mandalorian. True. He's cool <laughs> So he Mando. can grow a mustache. But nothing against him as an actor. But yeah, it seems like he keeps consistently getting these roles. Yeah. And I don't know. We'll see what he does with Vod. I did like when he kind of put Homelander in his place. And he's like, you're, you're not the most valuable thing that we have. That is a great you scene know? because, you know, everyone in the world Alice is, is just, scared, you know, scared of Homelander. And then he's like, you know, I'm not scared of you. And you're not our biggest investment. We're a pharmaceutical company. Like you're the public image, but really you're not our biggest investment. That, that whole scene, it just shows you, you don't have to be the most physically powerful to be in control because in that relationship, he has more power in a weird way. Almost a Lex Luthor-esque kind of vibe here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I am looking forward to the end of season two. Um, we'll maybe circle back and maybe we can get Joe back from Homelander. Or sorry, uh, he's translucent. Maybe we'll be able to see him and or hear him next time. But uh, yeah, I think we should talk to comics. And then we'll go ahead and kind of get some final thoughts after that on the boys. I guess. We're back. We're talking the boys here with the Normie Boys on Normies Like Us. As we said, we're talking the Garth Enos classic, The Boys, first published by Dynamite. I know them as the people who did like all the Evil Dead comics, guys. Um, mm. It's like a trash imprint. <laughs> it, it really does not last. It's not very good. Here's my pitch for it. Okay, here is here is what I was alluding to earlier on The Boys. This comic book... It's to out Preacher Preacher. That is something that Mark Miller has quoted and said. Preacher was a gross-out book. It was an attempt to put a lot of Irish anguish, ra angry rage that he had into just letting that out on the world. Okay? Mm -hmm. The Boys, on the other hand, comes out in 2006. That comes out five years after 9-11. Let's talk about why that is so fucking important, because this is my thesis here. People do not want this content, but this irrational, reactionary, strong, brutal content was getting put out there, uh, especially in print media. Um, the Boys comic book 
the first incident in the TV show, the season one incident with the plane flying through the air. Oh my God, Homelander's coming to help everybody. In the comic book, that's the first time the seven, quote unquote, are introduced to the world. The entire team is taken, but it's 9-11. It's the hijacking of the actual plane about to fly into the towers. And the team makes it worse. It's brutal. It's real. When it came out, people reacted to it very poorly. Garthinus does not care. He doubles down on it throughout the entire run. And, you know, this was a time where I think we, this generation of kids who was at a young age enough to, we were all in high school, to understand it, but not necessarily fully understand it, kind of did not want this material. My brother was bringing home comics from college, and the options were like Preacher and the Boys and stuff. No, it was like Ultimate Spider-Man, which was about like a very hopeful young guy trying to like get past trauma and stuff, and like clearly defining himself as a likable, relatable young hero. Um, I don't know. Now I don't know if you guys fall for these like brutal things. Do you guys like hardcore comics like this, or I guess just hardcore media? I mean. To a degree, not when it's just explicitly to be hardcore, something like a hostel, right, for film, right, where it's right. just this kind of... It's a good way to put it, for brutality of course, post-9-11 right? as well. Yeah, or, you know, even they did... I can't remember who did that X-Men comic where they essentially cut off Quicksilver's limbs, like, it, it was like a X-Force. really dark take. yes. Yeah, uh, that is like... Angel, and they feed me. him to Deadpool. It's, it's like super gross and uh, disgusting, oh, wow. Mike. Yeah, that kind of stuff doesn't really, that's not it for me. Um, and if that's where this is leaning, this kind of just shock and horror kind of thing, I, I could be out, but I, I, I'm glad if they made changes from that for the show. No, I like, uh, I like it to have a deeper meaning. You know, if it's just edgy for the sake of edgy, then it's just pointless. But if it's edgy for a reason and there's like a, a sociopolitical meaning behind it, that's what I really like. And I think that's what the the show does a good job of of putting meaning behind the the graphic violence and, and stuff like that. Cynicism for the Gar- sake of cynicism, even though maybe so, like a big moment changed when Annie January Starlight in issue two is introduced as the new member of the Seven. We get very quick glances. It's a lot faster in the book, right, where she's going up the ranks mm-hmm. and she makes it and she's getting introduced. Uh, it's not the Deep who sexually assaults her. It's Homelander. As we know on the show, oh, they've well. changed it to he is, again, the the liberty, the, the statue of virtue, of goodness. Butcher says, or Huey says, all soups are bad. Even Hollander? No, not him. You know, we, he's clean as a whistle. We're keeping our eyes on him, right? And they're trying to crack that nut. But instead oh, to have wow. the comic book open with just such a clear-cut evil sense of Homelander leads her out, explains... This is what you have to do because you're a woman. Get down on your knees. And then the other male members of the seven come out and she has to go through with it because she's already terrified. I mean, that just sets you up to, you can't, you just cannot like anything going forward of anybody involved with any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think the show does a good job of taking those moments, making them more realistic in a way where it's like the deep kind of cornering her alone that's much more realistic of something that would happen in real life with like Hollywood producers and stuff, which we've seen with Harvey Weinstein, et cetera. So just making the, taking those moments and making them relatable to real life. I think that's what the show succeeds over the comic. Um, and you know, it's like you said, it's cynical, but like right now it's kind of hard to look at the world and not be cynical. Right. So just to have that, that meaning to it, like I think that makes it 
better. I, I do prefer in the show them switching it out because you do have that slow kind of reveal of the darker side of Homelander. Um, and I think that lands a lot stronger once you realize how much of a, a sociopath he is. Totally. The character's um, not caricatures. And of course, the biggest difference as go. well, the boys themselves, uh, biggest homage actually from show to comic book, Wee Huey himself is based on the drawing is uh, Simon Pegg. So that's why they cast Simon Pegg oh, as okay. his father. But the interesting thing oh, about the boys is they're all super powered as well. They take Compound V very regularly and attempt to defeat the soups, quote unquote. And like Mike said, the coolest part of the show is watching man versus God. Right. Yeah. Just That's a bummer. I didn't realize that they were like injecting Compound V. Uh, I remember Joe talking a little bit about the comic off pod as well. And he mentioned that he thinks that they'll probably end the show with maybe Butcher juicing up Compound V I don't know. I don't want him to become the thing that he hates, but if the means justify the ends, I could totally see that happening. Interesting. But maybe that'll trickle in, but so far I've enjoyed it not being in the show. Yeah, I think that's another change from the comic that makes it better because it goes against his whole character. If he's, you know, he's against all soups, he wouldn't want to become one of them just to fight them. And I like the theme of, you know, the boys being such at odds against these, you know, they're trying to take down the most powerful people in the world and they're just a ragtag group of you know, like criminals, like just overcoming the odds that they have to do. Like, I love that. So if they were all taking compound V, like it would just lessen a lot of the things that I like about the show for sure. It is interesting. We're, we're looking at kind of, like you said, the umbrella Academy where maybe the changes that were made were for the better. Um, I mean, what do, what do you think overall though? Like, is it cynical for cynicism? Say Colin, do you like, can you read it? separate from the show and kind of get something of value out of it? Or do you just think it's I think you can do select issues, Mike. If you are truly the kind of guy who maybe even just looks at stuff and goes, ha ha, that's so edgy, it's funny. There's just a run called Mm. Herogasm, which is it's sort of like an annual, what they would do in a comic book where an annual is sort of its own separate storyline. It's not the necessarily the normal run of what a book's doing, right? And that is Mm -hmm. Homelander, gathers every other superhero on the planet, they get on a cruise ship, go to an island, and have the biggest orgy of their life, which they do once a year. Now, are we going to ever see that on the show? Probably not, but you guys are laughing. I mean, that's a funny enough concept to imagine, like, Superman, you know, banging Wonder Woman on fucking, you know... Um, what's that real sex club in the real world? Like Sex 2 or whatever that like Bahama <laughs> Island's called. It's like, it's right. fucking gross. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we do do that where we load up all the superhumans, put them in one place for a giant orgy every four years. It's called the Olympics. <laughs> that's right. Olympic and, Village. Uh, that's They're true, I finally Mike. believe that. Yes. STD <laughs> Village is a lot of people call the Olympic Village. Um, <laughs> yes. That is true. Right. That is a very good parallel to it. Yeah. No, to so me, I it's totally like see that happening. Yeah, we're all fit. We're all at the peak of our, you know, why not? To me, I've just heard, you know, a lot of bad things about the comics online and stuff. People talking about it and just how the show is just a lot better in a lot of ways. So I might check it out at some point, but I I'll probably just stick with the show. You know, at least knowing that it's different enough from the show that I won't really get spoiled per se. Obviously, some elements are going to be borrowed. Um, from them so there might be something that does become part of the show who knows but 
at least it's separate enough that I can kind of treat them as two different things the same way you can with Umbrella Academy, where they're not one for one, right. which, which is kind of good. In this and case. even in the comics, like I know for one thing, Stormfront is male and is like obviously very much a Nazi yes. in, that, in that. But even with um, Homelander, like they make his racism very explicit right out the gate. And I believe he even calls A-Train the N-word, right? Like in one of the you know first books or something. The Deep, unfortunately. Uh, oh, the yeah, deep. a little race swap there. And then A-Train oh, is this legacy hero we don't have that in the show as well because the original one, Marathon Man, or Mr. Marathon maybe, the original super speeder of the seven, slows down, mm-hmm. kind of like what the storyline A-Train's doing now, and he replaces him. So yeah. there's there's so parallels. Sort of like it's Eric. just, it sucks. Oh, yeah. One thing we didn't touch on with the show is the whole, we're, we're starting to get hints of whatever happened with Lamplighter. Is, is he a character in the comics He is an original well? character as well. He's got a pretty big, interesting run in the comics, too. So, And obviously, the Colonel Mallory, uh, there is the same background there. But the setup to the boys is wildly different. The reason Lamplighter is dead, maybe we'll find this out in the show, is that mm-hmm. it was an agreement. Lamplighter went crazy with his quote-unquote green pyrotechnic powers uh, from a magic staff that he holds. Another thing where I'm like, how does Compound B make you control magic from a <laughs> that staff? That sounds like Green Lantern. I don't Lantern, understand basically. any of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like a Green Lantern parody, basically. <laughs> exactly. Kills um, mm-hmm. Colonel Mallory's grandchildren, children, everybody, and the CIA makes a deal and says, give us that superhero to kill, otherwise we're fucking killing everybody in the Seven. So the boys have already gone up against the Seven, and there's a tenuous alliance where they say, a ceasefire. Uh, You're not going to fucking mess with us. But Huey, getting introduced the exact same way he does in the comics, where A-Train runs through his girlfriend, is sort of the spark that sets them back off on the warpath. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, there's definitely been hints at that. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how the show does that as well. And also with, uh, you know, Stormfront, I think her you know, legacy of, you know, back in the day. I think that's all going to tie, <clears throat> excuse me, that's all going to tie Liberty, in. Yep. Yeah. Um, with sort of the old heroes and stuff. I think that'll all. This come, is not a comic ahead. thing, but this is my prediction for how they're adapting Stormfront. Wouldn't you guys have to say, given Vought's Nazi history, the fact that we know Mr. Vought, Operation Paperclip, exactly like you guys said, had mm-hmm. his ideas from Dachau coming over to America do we think Stormfront is his daughter, right? You know, maybe someone he built to continue on his Nazi legacy and gave her so much V-juice that she is just fucking dripping with abilities. Liberty wasn't shooting lightning out of her hand. She had super strength. Clearly, she's right. ageless. She can fly. Like, what right. can't she do? Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see because, yeah, like, she's obviously she doesn't age, but it doesn't seem like a lot of the other heroes have that ability. She can fly, super strength, lightning. So she's... Almost seems as powerful as, as uh, Homelander, so definitely want to Here's see Here's what I'm her. thinking. Yeah. First of all, I love the idea of Lady Liberty kind of being her, her tag, right? <laughs> it's very Homelander. Like... Yeah, you know, it, but then um, I, I think she could be Homelander's mother. Ooh. Right? Because That's she wild. has all the powers, right? She's old enough, right? And. But does she? She doesn't age. She, she has a fascination with him. Jacob said earlier, "Your eyes. I love your eyes." Yeah, mm-hmm. and even in the new episode, they have that scene together, and she's like almost like hitting on him in a way where she's like, "I think you're perfect. You're doing everything." I want more right. for you. Yeah, 
Yeah, could so that, that be could a be mother? a mother-son thing, or she might not even know if she, you know if she is his mother. She might not even be aware of that. So that's very interesting. And if that is the case, I could totally see her being able to leverage that relationship with him to get him to do things for her. Oh, with the guy who has ultimate mommy issues, Mike. (laughs) You think she might be able to explain that? The guy who drinks breast milk and says, Mommy, you're the only one who understands me. (laughs) Yep. Go steal the kid and we'll have a family (laughs) homeland. That could be really also kill everybody who's not Caucasian. Totally. totally. Yeah, I can see that. And I think it's really interesting because they are building it up like he's very angry with her right now. He kind of feels like she's stealing the spotlight from him. And even when they have that talk, he's like, I don't need anybody to tell me how to do things. So it's like very interesting to see where their relationship goes from here. As soon as I learned that she, you know, is basically 70 years old or something, I was like, that could totally be it. But we'll have to see. Interesting stuff going on for sure. But definitely uh, not in the comics uh, because Stormfront, the man, could not be his mother. So No, but again, how about uh, cultural relevant? Essentially a stop and frisk, right, that goes wrong. I mean, my God, we're dripping in that yeah, right now. Jesus. Right. Well, and yeah, that was, you know, crazy. in the South, you know, in the 60s or whenever, so... Yeah, um, she's she probably was connected to the KKK and shit. Um, kind of ties into things we, we get out of Lovecraft Country as well, you know. Yes, yes. sundown counties and stuff, and yeah, you know, it's like fucking crazy. Lovecraft so. Country. I've seen a couple more episodes, and I'm very confused by that. But that's a <laughs> yeah. Another so, for do another we think time. more consumable? There's something about the boys that makes it. We talked about this before. Is this going to be Amazon's flagship thing? Is this their baby Yoda? As I keep I think calling, desperately is. calling a cornerstone <laughs> thing. Uh, I don't think Lovecraft Country is that for HBO. It's it's no, not off the um, rails. It's just not as consumable. It's yeah, and I think... This goes down easier for a broad audience, I think, because even, you know, we're watching at home. My wife is, like, not big into Marvel and stuff, but, like, when The Boys Season 2 came out, she's, like, excited for it, you know? Yeah, um, and the amount of marketing they've been doing, you know, with Season 2 especially, like, that's been everywhere. I really think they're trying to push this, and I don't know how many people are watching it. Like, maybe the Season 1 was probably not the most well-known, but hopefully more and more people are catching on to it, because I do think it's a really good show. Yeah, it could be. I think it's their best show. Um, like I said, we watched Hunters and we've watched um, The Expanse and some of the other Amazon shows. This is definitely the best one for me. Uh, and Mike and mentioned before. Have they renewed two more? Yeah, I think so. But any show that seasons, has right? lines that are, hey, this is Canton. We're not like that shithole Akron with all that crime. <laughs> that's Cleveland, yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> He's Love all the high The deepest... Working at Cedar Point, exactly. Cedar so, Point. You gotta check out Cedar Point. We got Best Cedar Point here, man. Park in the country. <laughs> yeah, you know. But uh, it is funny that Cleveland basically gets Hawkeye. That's the that's the best thing we could get. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Eagle the Archer. Everything else is out of budget. A real character in the comics who has wings as well, so he is a little better than a guy going oh, up yeah. against Tech Nines, which is fucking <laughs> right, ridiculous. Right. Which is great um, that they make that reference where it's like, yeah, maybe arrows, bow and arrows aren't the best weapon to go against Tech Nines. Just, he just drifts off. You see his eyes. <laughs> he's just so lost in that moment when he says it, Jacob. It's like, no, it's an ancient art. It's elegant. You know, it's, it's like, okay. I love it. I love a bow but, guy. Uh, I've always loved a bow guy, but 
there is some you, problems. That's with true. Him. You have always <laughs> said. Well, you you would probably fall for that cult if you had superpowers to Jacob <laughs> as the oh, Cleveland yeah. defender, the Clevelander. But let's hit it. Let's let's talk our wrap up here. Let's dive right in and just do dive in like the deep and say, you know, hopes. What do you love about this thing? What do you want out of season two? Is it bigger? Is it better? It's beautiful. We, we said it. It's deeper. We're going deeper. Um, I've loved talking to the boys. I love the boys. It turns out we listed it against our other shows. If you guys would do it, I know you didn't do Doom Patrol, but come on, you, we're all watching a thousand million superhero shows right now. And where would you put the boys? I'd put it pretty high. Yeah, I'd put it pretty high. I mean, I like the Umbrella Academy a lot too. They're very different in like tone and stuff, but I think they both succeed at what they're trying to do. So it's hard to compare them. Uh, but yeah, I would put it pretty high. I like it a lot. I think looking at those two emo X-Men versus the boys, I guess emo X-Men versus evil Justice League is, is kind yeah, of where they're right. at. Um, I, I, Umbrella Academy is a lot more easy to watch. Like it's, it's more laid back, a little more fun, right? It's a little more carefree. Yeah. Where this is like, it kind of makes me think. It deals with a little bit more real issues. Totally. So it depends. Uh, Umbrella Academy is a lot more popcorn. This is a little bit more... Well, an umbrella yeah, a little bit stronger message. Yeah, Umbrella Academy is more about dysfunctional families and and you know their emotions and stuff. Whereas this has emotional stuff, but it's also more about like sociopolitical themes of the real world and stuff and power structures yeah. and yeah, yeah, totally. So I, I I think I prefer the boys because it gets a little bit deeper. We've seen said the deep a lot and rest in peace that whale um but yeah i appreciate that colin what do you think though where, where do you land on it you know i'm again a guy who has consumed the other rogan goldberg shows so if you're talking preacher where he gave garthiness a lot more control it was show run by a guy who was coming off of breaking bad so it was not totally him but he was sort of letting him plot out seasons maybe polish up some scripts i'm kind of happy his involvement is pulled away Then you look at something where their original takes, Future Man on Hulu, Mm. also a show I would not recommend. Uh, It's kind of just a lesser work, just another weird thing that they're throwing their name onto. The Boys is the hit. It's it's the good shit. Eric Kripke is a good partner to work with. Totally. I've watched Future Man on Hulu, and I enjoyed it, but I can see why. You know, it's not for everybody, um, but I, I did like it. All right, well, do we have any big predictions for the last four episodes of season two, I guess? My big one, Stormfront is Homelander's mom. That's huge. That's blowing my my mind, I love that. That's not bad. (laughs) And I didn't pull that off the internet. That's from my own little brain. That's great. Yeah. Um, I also think... No Reddit's here. What about this? Um, Stormfront could be, like, the daughter of the original, like, Dr. Vought or whatever who started. Yeah, that's what Colin was saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that could definitely has something to do with it. I'm interested. And those are not mutually exclusive. Right, those yeah, they two both... things could both come true. Oh, I guess that's true too. Ooh. Yeah, we could all be right. Yeah. No, I think that totally could be. Um, and I'm just interested to see with uh, Giancarlo Esposito 
you know, why would he bring Stormfront into the seven? What's that all about? It's just, mm. is there some kind of bigger conspiracy going on? Probably. Um, and even with the reveal of compound V leaked to the press, like he didn't seem that concerned about it. Right. He's just like, Oh, well, right. you know, we'll figure it out. So I think there's something going on at a higher level with Vought on a, consp- uh, some kind of conspiracy. Well, I mean, they've been lobbying for the military, so who knows? We've got yeah. the prediction from Joe with more Compound V, maybe in Butcher at the end. It's certainly highlighted this mm-hmm. season, right? I've got a couple wants. I want Kimiko to twist Stormfront's head off of her body and get revenge for her brother. Oh, yeah. That would be but great. Do you think they'll, I mean, do you think they'll kill Stormfront in this season, though? Or was she... Like I feel like she's so such a good character that she should be like a multi-season character. But I think she, someone will kill her eventually. But I, I, I hope it's Kimmy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whenever it happens. Yeah, I mean, who else would be the big soup to die this season? Do we only get one? I was going to say I would like to see Starlight get some sort of control or agency on her life again, where she's getting revenge. But does that mean that she kills? Stormfront? Does that mean that she kills Black Noir? Or does that mean she fucking kills Homelander? I wouldn't like that, right. but maybe he needs to die. We're getting... We are looking at that confrontation, like you said, of Black Noir coming, so I think he's the most likely of the seven to die. Yeah, and he's a minor character. They season. can kill him off without... A-Train in the deep, we double up, they come back together, you know, they go against the seven of the boys, and they both get wiped out, maybe? I could lose them I this season. I definitely think a train speedfish is not long for this world i think you know with his heart, heart problems <laughs> yeah he's 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 in a lot of trouble right now i think um yeah i think you know anything could happen i'm just kind of excited to see where it goes from here yeah for sure well let us know your predictions normies how about that how about you reach out to us and tell us what you think is going to happen what you've enjoyed with the boys because, uh, yeah, we just had a good time talking it. Anything else we want to throw out there before we get out of here, fellas? I just got to say, Carl Urban is Butcher. National treasure. Ooh. It's like a British accent that's even more than it should be. Like, it's almost <laughs> fake in its portrayal on that. For another Kiwi, it. two New Zealanders against each other. Anthony Starr and him. Yeah. That's, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I so. think, you know, the boys are great. All the actors are great. I think Anthony Starr is a real standout. And he'll probably, he's in the show called Banshee, right? Which I haven't seen, but I'm kind of interested to go back and watch that now just from Real quick, can I pitch you guys Banshee? And yeah, I know a little I about it, Banshee. Definitely. I used to listen to this podcast called High and Mighty. Shout out to comedian John Gabrus, who out of nowhere was like, my podcast is now a Banshee recap podcast. And I was like, oh, and I think every listener kind of was too. He got a bunch of the people on. It culminates with Anthony Starr. This was like five years ago, guys. You have to understand right. when this was running on Showtime. It is about mm-hmm. Anthony Starr plays a high-end art thief, cat burglar, on the run who goes to the small town of Banshee, Pennsylvania, where he hides and goes undercover as the local sheriff because no one has seen the new sheriff who is coming to town. Every episode is a John Wick movie that involves him going up against either the local Native American reservation that is running out of the casino, a gambling operation, uh, Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, what do you call him? Like uh, Amish, an Amish mafia settlement. Who is up against him? <laughs> oh, um, bikers, meth runners, and I, I mean, 
from scene to scene, it is some of the best action you will ever see on television. Just Anthony Stark kicking fucking ass. And then the other half of it is it's a porno. It's just him having sex with every beautiful woman you have ever seen because it's showtime. It is so illicit and lewd. So, guys, that's your kicks. It's a high recommendation. um, Interested in it was, yeah, Anthony Starr and the hand-to-hand combat scenes, which I watched, you know, some clips on YouTube. And I was like, this show is just notorious for having these great action scenes with hand-to-hand combat, fighting, martial Every arts. Every episode. A person yeah. will walk in, a Native American princess, essentially, who will say, the bikers are stealing the water from our land. And then he will go over there and just do karate on 5,000 people. Yeah. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. Anthony Starr... So- Listed as 5'11 online. I wonder if he's shorter. Aaron Moriarty in heels is Starlight. She's listed as 5'6. She is as tall as him. A lot of people talk about Anthony Starr would be a great Wolverine. What do you guys think about that? I think he's got the height and the build and the fighting for it. He's too handsome for a classic Wolverine. <laughs> no he way. is, but, but if you look at him in Banshee, like he looks totally different. Like he has darker hair, he has like stubble. So he definitely. Shaved head. Yeah. Yeah, so like his look in Homeland as Homelander is definitely something that like he that's not how how he always looks. I think he could definitely transform himself to look more like Wolverine. I mean, Hugh Jackman is a pretty handsome guy too, so I could definitely no, see it. a little bit. He's making some money moves right now. They just announced he's going to star in some movies. This is obviously the role of a lifetime. We love Homelander on this mm-hmm. show. It's terrible to say, but Anthony Starr, love you everything fucking he believes knock in. it his portrayal. out. <laughs> everything he believes in. <laughs> Yeah, I'm intrigued by this um, neo Western kung fu porno <laughs> show that he's got going on. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm gonna check that. It was out. made in but my yeah. dreams, just like this show, Normies. Thank you my again for checking us out at Normies underscore like underscore us. We love you. This has been your host. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get off it so you can have it, Mike. I will be the Colin Lander. That's right. That was Mike Noir that day. Yeah, thank you for getting off that. Yeah, and this is uh, Jacob's, Jacob's Milk. Uh, get your milk here from Jacob. Got your milk here. Uh, oh, shit. Bye. Oh, hell yeah. This is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around.